listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab Podcast. We have Saya here. Saya, in one line, give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund. My name is Saya Nath, and I am a partner at Jump Capital, a Chicago-based venture firm. Wonderful. Thank you for being here today. What inspired you to become a venture capitalist? Yeah, so I was exposed to the startup world very early in my life because my dad had been a founder his whole life. Wow. So I really saw firsthand the passion of building something from scratch and being part of creating something from the ground up. And that was always very inspiring to me. It showed me that you really can enjoy what you do for work. And so I never really believed in that common saying that no one likes their job. And I was always on that pursuit. And in fact, I thought I would be a founder myself. I went to college to get a degree in computer engineering. I thought oh, I would wow. graduate and develop some new software. And that was my plan. But as often happens, my life did not go necessarily as planned at that point. And I went to pursue a career in consulting, really to just learn core strategic principles of business, get as much exposure as I can, but really knew that eventually I would want to apply that back to an early stage setting. That's what, what I had been exposed to. I had kind of worked with larger tech companies as well. And so I think that contrast of small versus large tech organizations really reaffirmed for me the excitement associated with building something from scratch and the impact that you're able to generate. And that hunger started to kick in about two and a half years ago when I decided to make a pivot from consulting. And at that time, I didn't have an idea for founding. So I said, if I can't go be a founder now, I think the closest I can get to it is by being at a venture firm, but being somewhere where that firm really does take that hands-on ethos of being very engaged with their founders and being part of the process. And so that's how I found my way to jump. That's wonderful. Wow. A pivot that happens. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) So what is your investment thesis and kind of the motivation behind the thesis over there at Jump? Yeah, so as a firm, we invest across a number of sectors, fintech, infrastructure, verticalized SaaS, try to develop very specific perspectives around micro trends and micro segments within each of those. But me specifically, I lead all of our efforts related to future of work. And I really scope that very broadly to mean anything that is enabling how work is done, whether by an individual or within a broader enterprise. Uh, And I think what really inspired me to take that on was also rooted in kind of my upbringing and personal experiences. So being first generation, I think traditional constructs of education and success were always deeply embedded in me from a very early age. So I was fortunate to grow up in a more modern household that valued self-growth and exploration and learning. But for the most part, most of the people around me had entered their careers in a very traditional manner. You go to college, degree, stay at a job, you work your way up, all of that good stuff. So with that, it became really fascinating to me as I started to see these constructs be disrupted thanks to new technologies that have really just 
rapidly accelerated people's ability to build opportunity for themselves. And so whether that's by how easy it is to now start a business online or how easy it is to learn a new skill set later in life after you've done one thing for 20 years, or even just by adopting technologies like AI to change what you're doing in your everyday job, I think there's no shortage of paths to opportunity and success these days. And there's just so much more ability than ever for everyone to define what that path looks like for them personally. So with that, I just have naturally become really passionate around anything enabling the workforce or people to be successful in how they work and really enabling new types of working and new models. Wow, that's really cool. So what are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? Yeah, so I love to read, but honestly, when it comes to books, I'm more of a fiction consumer. A lot of how I do my learning around venture and trends and all these ecosystems that I like to spend time in is just by consuming short form content. I love to read different newsletters across verticals. I really like to get the peer opinion. And so I do read things like the CIO journal from Wall Street Journal information, but I also really love to learn from other VCs and other people in the industry. So I read Matt Levine's money stuff quite a bit to keep up to date with fintech and regulatory aspects there. Um, I really love Rex Woodbury from Index, his newsletter. He spans a variety of topics that are very relevant to me. So AI and commerce and creators and future of work. And what I really love is that he always has these fun kind of pop culture references. And he always takes his information back to when things first started, like the Industrial Revolution, and just brings it full circle. So I think he has a good amount of spice in his newsletters where some can be very dry. That's how I consume content. Cool. So bonus question, everyone gets it. (laughs) In two years, how do you see venture capital or investing having changed or evolved? That is a great question, especially coming from a very volatile two years. It's like predicting the future. I think there's two things maybe that I'll say that I expect and one thing that I perhaps hope for more. One is I think we will continue to see more operators as investors. I think we've already seen this grow rapidly in the past few years. But my sense is this is just going to grow even more dramatically over the next couple and become table stakes. I think, unfortunately, over the next couple of years, we are going to see some hard times from founders. We're coming off a very inflated venture environment, and we're already starting to see that founders need more support and guidance about cash management and efficient operations and just really getting back to the fundamentals of business. And I think with that, what's going to be realized is the true value of having an operationally lensed partner at the table, somebody who has been Mm -hmm. in your shoes or done many of those things. And and to be candid, I don't know if that value is fully appreciated by everyone in the ecosystem today, but I think that's going to grow quite a bit. Um, The thing that I'll say that I would hope to see a little bit more of is greater transparency in the industry. I think when I first entered the industry, I, I I wasn't really aware that this wasn't table stakes, but I've learned over time that there's not always this appetite to give feedback, especially to founders that you don't invest in, for example. But I really think as venture capitalists, if we're excited about innovation and truly discovering wave-making solutions, that in a sense, it's our duty to give feedback to the founders that are putting themselves out there, making our jobs exciting. Even if we choose not to invest, you never know what one meaningful email or thoughtful call or piece of feedback can do in helping somebody kind of pivot their business or shape their business and what that's going to do in the long term. And so I really want and hope to see a lot more transparency in this industry, just as it relates to thought sharing and knowledge sharing and all of that good stuff. Wow, that's a profound thought. Most people don't think about that as far as how something could be changed or evolved. But I think transparency 
is important. And we work on transparency over here in a different way. But uh, we try and be fully transparent because the founders do need that feedback. Yep. So I think that is important. They are putting it out there, right? They're saying, look, this is my product. This is my dream. This is my vision. And giving the constructive, positive feedback is important. Exactly. And I think every good founder is on a constant learning journey, as are we as investors. And you never know, maybe one business fails, but they will most likely take all of those learnings to their next endeavor. And maybe that's the next Google. You never know. And I think it's a smaller world than people appreciate. And I know that I've been able to build really wonderful relationships just by being a little bit more candid, even if, again, we choose not to invest. And this relation or this industry is very relationship driven. That's so. True. I think it can go far for everybody if we provide a little bit more empathy and transparency to people we talk to. Wonderful. So how do people contact you? Yeah, so I am on LinkedIn. I'd say I'm not an avid Twitter user, so that's not the best avenue for contacting me. But LinkedIn, I'm pretty responsive to. Or my email, it's on our website as well. But it's just my first name at jumpcap.com. And I think based on what I just said, I try to at least respond to most inbound. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Sayanath, from Jump Capital for being our guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion-dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin, T-R-A-I-L-Y-N.com to find out more. Find us on Apple, on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.